Welcome to Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Soundprints for the week of January 22, 2023. The Kentucky Council of the Blind invites everyone to participate in our Valentine's Day fundraising auction on Saturday, February 11, on our Zoom line. Regardless of where you live, you can get in on the fun with bidding and buying. Proceeds will support both KCB and our chapter activities. Items up for bid so far include technology, jewelry, food and homemade treats, braille cookbooks, music boxes, beautiful bags and purses, and items perfect for your home, for you, and for your dog. You can register to bid in our auction by calling KCB at 502-895-4598. Donated items are also welcome. They must be in new or unused condition. We need to receive non-food items by February 1. Cash donations to help with shipping costs are also welcome and will be recognized during the auction. Important, we are not accepting clothing items for this auction. The 2023 ACB Legislative Seminar will be virtual on Zoom and ACB Media from Saturday, March 4 through Tuesday, March 7. This important opportunity will help us all to learn more about ACB and the legislative issues that can help people who are blind or who have vision loss. Programs will be heard on any computer, cell phone, landline, Alexa device, or Victor Stream. Registration for this event is now open. KCB will pay the $25 registration fee for all of our members who want to participate. Take advantage of this opportunity by calling the KCB office at 502-895-4598 no later than Friday, February 17. If you are not already a KCB member, you may pay your KCB dues at the same time. Just $8 for 2023 or $40 for a life membership. Caution! If you are registering for the training through KCB, Please do not also register directly with the ACB Minnesota office. Large print calendars are now available upon request. They measure 11 by 17 inches and have plenty of room for writing appointments, notes, etc. Request a calendar by calling us at 895-4598, area code 502, or emailing kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Calendars provided through the generosity of the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. The following meetings and events will be held on the KCB Zoom line. The number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 862-9889-6972. The Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold its February virtual meeting and support group at 8 p.m. on Wednesday, February 1, on the KCB Zoom line. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind February quarterly meeting will be on February 3, that's a Friday evening, and it's a hybrid event. 
The in-person activities will take place at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville. Dinner will be at 5 p.m. and is $6 per person. The bargain table will open at 6. The program will begin at 7, both in person and on the KCB Zoom line. For those attending in person, please make return rides by 9 p.m. Let us know if you'll be coming in person and having dinner by calling us at 502-895-4598. Roundabout on January 27 will be virtual from 7 to 9 p.m. on the Zoom line. This will be page turners, so come ready to share books and authors and information related to reading. The South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind in Bowling Green will hold its social hour on Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. Central, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. The Zoom number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 763-689-4411. The GLCB Roundabout on Friday, January 11, was all about finding accessible books, magazines, and other reading materials at your local public library. Debbie Armstrong from California was our speaker, and she gave an excellent presentation on how to use OverDrive and other apps to access books, magazines, etc. through your computer or mobile device. She cautions you that you will more than likely need a library card to use your library services, and that all local libraries may not subscribe to these apps or present them in the same way. Some libraries will require you to live in a specific geographic area, such as a city, county, or state. A few others may serve anyone, regardless of residence in the United States. Check with your local library for more details. Thanks to Adam Rushevel for editing this presentation for time so we can bring it to you on Soundprints, and also note that a segment near the beginning could not be included due to poor sound quality. Listen to Soundprints each week on ACB Media One, the mainstream channel. Listen on your Victor Reader stream or on the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Listen anytime, 24 hours a day, on the KCB Information Line. Call 773-572-6318. Thanks for listening to Soundprints. Page two. Well, we can get started. Um, our, our speaker tonight is Debbie Armstrong, another Debbie. Uh, right. Except she spells her Debbie different than anybody on this line. It's T-B-E-E, trees, one B. I've gotten to know Debbie because she is the new editor of the Lua Ledger from the Library Users of America. And if you all have seen that ledger that just came out, uh, a little while back, a few weeks ago, it is excellent, and um, really enjoyed that. If you are not a member of Lua and you'd like to receive the ledgers, and um, Adam is the treasurer, and we're always happy to help you uh, part with a few dollars. Tri-State Library Users is a chapter of the um, Library Users of America, but Debbie is is not here, especially to talk about the ledger. But she's here to talk about accessible 
uh, ways that you can benefit from your public library. Debbie, we're really glad that you're here. And Natalie is hosting. Um, Natalie is president of both Greater Louisville Council of the Blind and the Tri-State Library Users. And tonight she's got that third hat on as the host. Sure. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so just a little bit of background on me, and then I'm going to tell you a story about my mom and my sister, which is related to this talk. So I'm, by profession, I'm an alternate media specialist. And what that means is I work at a community college, and I'm responsible for making sure that my print-impaired students get their books in accessible formats. So I acquire books from a huge number of databases, and I also write to publishers and get their books, and I scan books, and I convert books, and all of that. So I have been doing that for 20 years, and I deliberately scored this job because I am a library addict. When I was a child, I really wanted to be a librarian, but blind people didn't do that in those days. Now we can. Everything's online. But anyway, um, when I saw that job posted 20 years ago, I was like, I'm going to get this job because I want access to all these books. So it continues to be a job I really love, and um, it, it sort of uh, affects a lot of what I say about libraries because I do have access to so many databases, and I search them all the time. I have a little bit of allergies today, so if you hear me sort of inhaling and breathing weird, just put up with it. Okay, now let me tell you this story about my mom and my sister. So my mom, um, is she's passed away now, but she was a, an accountant and she was an investor and she was fairly well off. Um, she had about a million dollars in her investments, but she was very thrifty. And so my mom would never, my mom loved libraries and books too. When I was growing up, she used to listen to talking books with me. So when I became an adult and I moved out, my mom was bummed because, of course, she sighted and she didn't have access to talking books. So she was <laughs> surfing around for books that she could listen to, and she's too thrifty to subscribe to Audible. So my mom discovered all these different public libraries, and she started signing up for audio books, but... You know, my mom was not the most computer literate person, so I ended up helping her a lot with accessing all of these library services. And it really taught me a great deal about how they work visually as well as with my screen reader. So that's my mom. Now let me tell you about my sister. My sister has a mental disability. She's got agoraphobia. She has been on SSI. Uh, ever since she's been an adult, she's very poor. She lives in uh, subsidized housing. Um, and But <laughs> my sister is not as patient as my mom, so she has been an Audible subscriber forever, and I think she has one of the top memberships. And I'm also amazed that somebody who is on fixed income and is so poor would use Audible when you can get so much free stuff from the public library. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. Okay, so back to the opening page of the Louisville Public Library. There's a link for ebooks. Now, that link is going to take you to uh, the various services that they have that offer ebooks, and those two services are Hoopla Digital and Overdrive. And I'll be talking about them in detail in a minute, but just want you to know what happens if you go to the ebook link. And those ebooks are offered in two uh, formats, PDF and EPUB. And so 
The PDF can be problematic. Sometimes you can read it. Sometimes you cannot. EPUB is almost always accessible. It's very rare to find an EPUB that's not. But it depends on what app you're going to read it with. The app that you usually use is Adobe Digital Edition, and it's accessible in terms of, yeah, you can scroll through it and hear the text read out loud. But if you want to navigate to a particular page or navigate to a particular heading, forget it. So it's like semi-accessible, I guess. E-magazines is the next link. And unfortunately, the service that I looked at that your uh, Louisville Free Public Library offers for e-magazines is not accessible. They're doing their magazines through something called Overdrive Read. And as far as I could tell, it was not accessible. The service that you that does uh, magazines that is accessible is called Flipster, F-L-I-P-S-T-E-R. Now, maybe if I had a library card and I logged into the Louisville Free Public Library, I would be able to see Flipster. Maybe it would show up, but I don't think so. But you can go ahead and, and do the Ask a Librarian link, which is one of the links on the page, and ask them if they have Flipster. And if they don't, ask them if there are any other libraries that you might have access to that do have Flipster. And do remind them that you are blind or visually impaired and that their service, Overdrive Read, is not accessible and Flipster is. If you want to do a little bit of advocacy, that's a really good place to start. Okay. And if I'm wrong and it is accessible, then they'll tell you. <laughs> but I think I'm not wrong. All right. The other link that's on your opening page is downloadable audiobooks. And that will also take you to OverDrive, but their OverDrive is accessible um, because you're going to download them either to your computer or your smartphone. If you use your smartphone, you'll use either the OverDrive app or the Libby app, L-I-B-B-Y. And Libby used to be really inaccessible. Couldn't use it at all. It was all pictures, really literally all pictures. My poor mom, she would zoom those pictures so she could see them when her macular degeneration got really bad. Well, now Libby's fully accessible. In fact, it's super accessible. I mean, they went overboard with accessibility. Every screen has, has at the top a little message that says, you are at, and it has the name of the screen. And at the bottom, there is always four tabs. So I'll be talking a little bit about Libby in a minute. But if you go to downloadable audiobooks, that's where you're going to get to um, find the books that you want to download. Okay, the next link on your um, Louisville Free Public Library page is streaming video. And I want to stop here for a minute and say that I'm using that as an example, but nearly all large public libraries are going to have similar links. So if you're saying, now I'm not in Kentucky, well, it really doesn't matter because basically I'm in California and I've got all these links on my library pages. And I've, I've looked around um, – East Coast websites, you know, the Boston Library, uh, New York Public Library, um, pretty much everywhere I've been, and I spent a lot of time in Indianapolis, too. Their public library, same thing, has similar links. Okay, streaming video. The service they use for streaming video is called Hoopla Digital, H-O-O-P-L-A, and that's a very nice service. It is accessible. It's a very busy website. There's a lot of stuff going on on it. But once you get used to it, it's not a problem. Another service that they do not have that's also equally accessible is called Canopy, and that's spelled K-A-N-O-P-Y, Canopy. And 
you'll find other libraries might use Canopy for streaming video. And most of these videos are going to be documentaries, like the sort of thing you see on PBS. Um, but they do also have old movies and stuff. And you are not going to find streaming video with audio description here. It's, so, you know, you're typically going to probably watch movies with your family that they're going to describe to you, or you're going to watch documentaries where you kind of don't need audio description anyway. Uh, the next category is streaming music. And I couldn't get into it because it wanted a library card, but I think they're using a service called Freegal, F-R-E-E-G-A-L. I'm not positive about that, but if they are using Freegal, then that is accessible and also lets you download MP3 files. They also have Hoopla Digital for streaming music, and they have a pretty – that didn't request a library card, so I was able to look at it a little. And that's – that, they've got a really impressive uh, collection. They've got a lot of jazz. They've got a lot of bluegrass. We don't get bluegrass in California libraries, gosh darn it. So wish I had a public library card for Louisville because you all have bluegrass and we don't. Uh, they have some rock and they have a lot of folk and, of course, they have a lot of classical. Um, so that's kind of cool. So, again, if you like uh, the music on there, you may not want to be paying for a streaming service. Uh, let's see, what else do I, I have something else to say about streaming music, and now I cannot remember it. Um, well, streaming music. Oh, the last time I looked at streaming music over my phone with Hoopla, I had some accessibility challenges, but when I was downloading other things from Hoopla, like audiobooks, I did not. So, who knows? And these things change all the time, too, especially with phone apps. And all this stuff you can access with a phone app or uh, by using your computer and looking at the web page for the library. But what I would do is start by looking at just a web page with either Safari on your phone or Chrome on your phone or um, the web browser on your computer. Um, because I think it's a little easier to look at those sites first with a web browser, and then if you decide you want to use the apps that go with them, then go ahead and download the apps. Okay, the other link they have is to free online courses. And those courses are provided by LinkedIn Learning. And LinkedIn Learning used to be called Linda, L-Y-N-D-A. So if you've heard of Linda, it's pretty much the same thing. They just renamed it. And these courses are really neat. I mean, there's a lot of history courses. There's technology courses. The thing is, when you're if you're taking a course where the guy is just lecturing, it's a very accessible. But if you take a, a video course where it's technology, you know, like you're trying to do something in Microsoft Word and you take a course on it, you're going to be disappointed because the guy's going to be saying, okay, we click here, now we go down here and we click on that, and we go over here and see how that's in blue, now we click on that. So you're going to find that that's not really useful. But for taking, like, history courses or courses about literature, um, humanities-type courses, you'll find that those are really accessible and really fun. And there's uh, your library also has a large collection. Now, well, now I remember what I wanted to say about streaming music. And that is that everything I've talked about so far, and especially the streaming music, is very library independent. So they may all use the same services like Hoopla and OverDrive, but each library decides what they want to buy. 
So, for example, if it's like you guys have a lot of bluegrass, like I said, and what that meant is the library said, wow, you know, bluegrass is big here in Kentucky, so we are going to buy access to all this bluegrass streaming music. But in California, they said, ah, bluegrass, we Californians, we don't like it. So we're going to buy access to more classical or more jazz. So you will find that across the nation, the services are the same, but what the librarians decide to purchase. And believe me, all these, quote, free services that are free to you, they are not really free. These are your tax dollars at work, and usually your local tax dollars. So your librarians are deciding, I want to... I want to subscribe to this collection or I want to buy access to this database. And these licenses are sort of renewable. So let's suppose, for example, you download a John Grisham book and it's really good and you listen to it. And then two years later, you recommend it to your friend. And your friend goes in the library and, wow, that John Grisham book's not there. Well, the reason it's not there is because the library has to pay a license every year for you to access it. And they may have decided, oh, okay, we've had enough John Grisham. Let's do more John Steinbeck. Let's do more James Patterson. We've had a lot of requests lately for James Patterson. So they may decide this is not a good use of our dollars. We're going to not buy all these John Grisham books. So I did want to spend some time saying that because people do get really confused if they go to different libraries and they find different stuff is available. Like I was looking for diabetic cookbooks uh, today because my husband's a diabetic and I'm getting really bored with what we've been eating. And I, it was really fun because I went to like five different libraries and everybody had different diabetic cookbooks. So now my computer's full of cookbooks. So that was kind of fun. But, you know, I may look for the same books next year and they may not be there. Okay. Um, the next link on your Louisville Public Library webpage is digital services and those are repeats of the things that have shown up above. They just group them all under one heading called digital services, and if you go to the digital services, you'll see all that stuff again. Then there is a link for Ask a Librarian, and I can't tell you how helpful these things are. For example, I was trying to find an article in the Mayo Health Clinic Health Letter Mayo Clinic Health Letter that I had read in Braille, but I wanted to send it to my sister who cited. And I wanted to email it to her. So I did ask a librarian, and I said, you know, I want this article from the October Mayo Clinic Health Letter. Where can I find it? And they write back and tell you where you can find it. And so believe me, ask a librarian is a really useful feature. And remember, your tax dollars might as well use it. It's a service you have for free. Okay. And then the, the last link here I want to tell you about is use research tools. Use research tools. Then if you pull that up, it gives you a giant list of databases. And I was really impressed. Your library just has oodles of databases. And it categorizes them by topic. So business, finance, um, car repair, literature, everything you can imagine. And, you know, when we were kids, you know, you got the periodical guide, the guide to periodic literature, and you had card catalogs. None of this was accessible. And now all this stuff is accessible. It's just so exciting. Okay, so some of the database services that they are using are EBSCO, E-B-S-C-O. And I love EBSCO. It's totally accessible. I can get lost in EBSCO looking stuff up. It has magazine articles. It has academic stuff. It has newspapers. It has 
magazines. And the service I told you about called Flipster, F-L-I-P-S-T-E-R. Flipster is part of EBSCO. So it was funny. They subscribed to a bunch of EBSCO databases, but not to Flipster. Maybe they just decided it was too expensive. Uh, another service they use is ProQuest, P-R-O-Q-U-E-S-T. That's also very accessible. It's a little confusing to search, but it's just as confusing for sighted people. So you, 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 um, uh, it's a, uh, a level playing field there. You can get just as befuddled as sighted people and, uh, have fun. Um, the other service they use is JSTOR, J-S-T-O-R. Again, that's another very accessible database for searching for information. And, I mean, even if it's just recreational stuff, like you want to read more about gardening or something, you can type in a plant and there it pops up and you get all this great information about how to grow it. Uh, another service they use is Gale, G-A-L-E. That is also a very accessible database. Again, it's a little trickier to search, but it has a lot more consumer and less academic information. Um now, the other thing that's on that page is a, a link to a very nice A to Z index of all digital tools. And I actually sent the direct link of that to Carla because I, as I was poking around your library, everything was so organized by topic. I thought, whoa, how do you find, you know, I mean, there's just so much there. And this A to Z index is really nice because it makes it a little easier to look stuff up. And then they also have a link on their main page called Helpful Internet Links. And what's really interesting about that is if you go to that, there's just an enormous list of Internet resources on everything you can imagine. So that's a, a good link to bookmark. Okay. Um, you know, the next thing I'm going to talk about is Overdrive, and I'm going to talk about it for quite a while. All right. Um, Debbie Dethridge. Can unmute. You were talking about cookbooks, and are they accessible after you've downloaded them? When you, if you find a book that you want to download and you install the Libby app on your phone, because that's probably what I would be using, then would the book go in, would it automatically appear in the Libby app? It will automatically appear in the Libby app, and typically if it's an EPUB, it's accessible if you have patience. Unfortunately, it's a little hard to navigate between sections in some of them. A lot of it depends on how the book is, quote, marked up, which means did the uh, person who produced the book actually put in sections and headings and all of that, or is it just this massive text? And if it's a PDF, you'll find that, uh, I don't know, maybe 60% of the time it's not going to be accessible, and about 40% of the time it is. Um, I typically um, read these things on my PC, and um, I sometimes run them through Kurzweil if I can do that. Um, so EPUB, I say, so EPUB is a format that is actually just a zipped-up HTML file. So another thing you can do with an EPUB book is... Uh, Rename it to zip and unzip it and look at the HTML files in your web browser. I do that a lot. So it kind of varies. But if you just, if you're reading a novel on your phone, it works better than reading a cookbook because you're going to want to jump from one recipe to another and that can be kind of annoying. Um, 
The other okay. thing is, if you like the cookbook and you're looking at it, you might go see if you can find the same thing on Bookshare because on Bookshare it'll be in Daisy and it'll be marked up better usually. Thank you. Janice. I don't have a question, but you, you did not – I don't know if it's available in your area, but we have a here in St. Petersburg, uh, Florida, at our, my library, we have called The Cloud Library. So I get a lot of books from them that I can't find on Bard. Yeah, I, Cloud Library. Uh, a couple of our local libraries have it. I did not see it on the Louisville Free Public Library website. Uh-huh. But, you know, if it's available in your wherever city you're in, it, it, and, and they have, uh, uh, you can either get, they actually have two copies. They usually have an audio version, and they also have a, a where you can read uh, with your voiceover, and they also have, most of them have audio versions as well. And I know when I was doing a review of this for AppleVis, which was a couple of years ago, the one thing I discovered is that the cloud library was much more accessible on the phone than oh, it it is. on the computer. It is. It was like a real pain to use on the computer, so but it was great on the phone. Well, I'm going to start talking about OverDrive. So we've discovered this Hoopla and Cloud Library and RB Digital and all these great services, but OverDrive is the service that is most widely available in libraries in the United States. And Overdrive is, is a sort of a middleman between the audio or the ebook publisher and the library. And they also, you can also buy books on Overdrive, but that's another topic. Um, their, their main business model is a library. So what happens is you go to the library page, you find downloadable audiobooks or downloadable ebooks, and you're usually taken to Overdrive or you're taken to a page that has their other services plus Overdrive. And I think I have never seen a library that doesn't have Overdrive if they have downloadable audiobooks. Um, so anyway, Overdrive is the name of the company. It's also the name of the service. And they build the library's web page for the library. So once you click on the link for OverDrive, you're actually in a page that appears to belong to your library, but it's actually on the OverDrive server. And so it'll say something like, well, for San Jose Library, the, the link is sjlib.overdrive.com. So if you look at the, the actual link, you'll see now you're moved off of your library site and onto the OverDrive site. And so the, the OverDrive uh, interface is pretty similar everywhere you go, but the opening page is always different. So depending on what your library wants to showcase, that'll be there. And that page is very accessible and very, very busy. Um, I found in working with my students it's actually more confusing for low vision students than it is for blind students because blind people tend to figure out what they want and they search for it with JAWS and boop, it's there. But low vision people are like, oh my God, there's all this stuff on this page. Uh, there's pictures of book covers, there's titles, there's, uh, yeah. And there's all this stuff the li library is promoting. Um, book clubs, download this, you know, this is the book of the month. And anyway, so, I want to first tell you, don't get overwhelmed. Don't read all of that. It's Unless you really want to know what your library is promoting, then just go ahead and read it all. But don't, don't let it be overwhelming to you. Um, 
That's if you're accessing it with a computer. Now, if you're accessing OverDrive with their app called Libby, L-I-B-B-Y, you'll still see that opening page, but I think it's a little less confusing on the phone. And I'm going to be first talking about how to do this on your computer, and then I'm going to talk to you about how to do it on your phone. I don't know. I guess more and more people do everything on their phone, but I still do an awful lot on my computer. So I, I am going to cover the process a little bit. Okay. So the first thing you do is you're on the OverDrive site and you are, and from the Louisville Free Public Library, there are two ways to get to it. You can go to downloadable audiobooks, which was on the main page, or you can go to the A to Z index and look for OverDrive. I told you the page that first opens can be really confusing. So what you want to do probably is search for a book. Uh, there's also a big category list on that page. So if you're, like, say, looking for science fiction, you can find that category list and go through that. Or, you know, you're looking for health and fitness or diet or whatever. That's all there, too. It's just a little complicated to find because there's so much on the page. And I should tell you, too, that sighted people find it a little overwhelming as well. So, again, level playing field. Okay. We can all be confused together. Um, so what you really want to do, if you want to find an author or a title or a topic, like when I was looking for diabetes today, I just typed diabetes. But unlike many web pages, there's no search field. So you're looking around and like, what do I do is search? So what you have to do is click the search button. So there's a button that says search, a nice big button too. So if you're low vision, look for the big button. Click search, and what you're going to find then is you're going to have an edit box where you can type in your author's name. So you're going to type John Grisham or John Steinbeck or James Patterson or something like that in that search box, and you can also type a title, like I typed diabetes. And you press enter, and now you're going to get another page which appears to be really inaccessible again. And, you know, these tips I'm giving you now will be useful to you if you're also on your smartphone. So don't think this is a waste of time. You get this page. It looks thoroughly inaccessible. You're trying to figure out how to read it. But there's a secret. It says grid view and list view. And it defaults to grid view, which, yeah, is not that accessible. So you're going to select list view. So look for the button that says list view. Select list view, and now all of a sudden you're going to get a nice list with headings. So every book starts with a heading. And it's very easy to read, just as easy as reading the stuff on Bookshare. That's true also if you're looking at this web page on your phone. For each book you see on the, the page of books, there is going to be a link for borrow or a link for place on hold. And so if the library has like four copies of the book, that means four copies can be borrowed. But if you're person number five, you're not going to see a borrow link. You're going to see a place on hold link. Okay? And so um, you'll do one or the other. And here comes the next part of the web page that can be really confusing. If you select borrow or place a hold, a little box pops up, and this is thoroughly accessible, but it covers part of the screen. So, again, level playing field sighted people are not able to see the whole screen either because this box is covering up part of it. So no panic. You're going to have your um, focus is going to show up in the box, and you're going to be able to select place a hold or borrow. If you're borrowing it, you get to pick how many days. Do you want to borrow it for 21 days, 14 days, or 7 days? 
Then all these little boxes that pop up have a close button. Oh, when you're placing it on hold, it shows your email address and says it's going to send a, a, a notice to your email address when it becomes available. But anyway, all these boxes have a little close button. So you find the close button, you hit that, the box goes away, the rest of the screen reappears like magic, and you can continue doing what you want to do with it. And what's really nice is OverDrive has really fixed all this so that the focus is always where you expect it. So when the box pops up, your focus shows up in the box. And when the box goes away, your focus goes back to where it's supposed to be. So that's really nice. That wasn't used to not be true, but they fixed that. When you actually borrow a book or place it on hold, you are asked to sign in. And you do get a sign-in, uh, another little sign-in box that pops up, and it prompts you for your library um, barcode, the 14-digit code, and your PIN, your four-digit um, number that you type in. And then there's a always, what is it, always keep on this device, save it on this device, but there's another little checkbox that lets your device, oh, remember me on this device, that's what it says. And if you check that box, it won't keep asking you. So after that, every time you want to borrow or place a book on hold, you won't get that sign-in box. So that's kind of nice. Okay, so I need to talk to you guys about Libby, because most of you are going to be doing this on Libby. So... Libby used to be inaccessible. And the reason I'm telling you this is if someone tells you it's inaccessible, they're absolutely right. It was all pictures. I said that before, didn't I? Um, so, But now what happens is Libby has four tabs on the screen when you pull it up. And those tabs are library, which is the tab on the left, menu, which is next to that, shelf, which is next to that, and timeline, which is the tab on the right. Now, if you are in the library tab, you are actually looking at the opening page for your library, which has a bunch of featured books and whatever stuff the library wants to put up there. So you would think that's where you want to go first, but that's only where you want to go if you want to read stuff that's specific to your library. Where you really want to go first is the second tab, which is menu. And the menu tab is all of the stuff you can do in Libby, like settings and search and all that. And search is under menu, so don't waste time looking at under the library tab. So if you're in the menu, the first thing you'll want to do is find a library. And then you get another search box, and for that you can type in your city or zip code or whatever, and then it shows you possible libraries. And you pick your library, and once you do that, it asks you to enter your barcode and your PIN. And once you've done that, it now gets added to the list of libraries the app knows about. So it only asks you once, and after that, Libby on your phone or iPad will always know, okay, she's a member of that library. I'm never going to ask her about that again. But if you want to switch, if you belong to two libraries, like I belong to both San Jose and San Francisco. So right now, my phone, actually right now my phone is set up for Santa Clara County Library. So everything I'm doing on my phone in Libby is with the Santa Clara County Library. So if I suddenly want to look at San Francisco, I have to go to menu, I have to look for the button switch library, and then when I pick that, then I can go to a different library. Or I go to the button for find library, and then I can add a new library. So once you've added a library, you never have to do it again, it's there. Um, it's happy, but you're only looking at that library unless you deliberately decide to switch. So that's the menu. 
So remember, the library tab is just looking at stuff that's available in your current library and the announcements they want to show you. The menu is where you actually tell Libby to do stuff like search for books or uh, show status of what's been downloaded and what's on hold or uh, switch library. The third tab is shelf. And again, it's only looking at one library at a time, so it's going to show all the books on your, quote, shelf for that particular library. And um, so right now, if I look at my shelf on my phone, I'm going to see all those diabetes cookbooks. But if I switched over to the San Francisco Public Library and then I looked at shelf, I'd see a, a whole list of um, Lisa Gardner novels because I downloaded a bunch of Lisa Gardner novels. So if you... You look at your shelf and it doesn't seem to have the stuff you actually borrowed. It might be because you've got the wrong library plugged in. Okay, and the very last tab is Timeline. And that's where you actually go to read the books. And it will actually play the book for you uh, or it will um, stream the book for you. And you can choose if you want it downloaded to your phone to read it, you know, without when you don't have an Internet connection or if you just want it to stream um, you know, and that takes up less memory on your phone, but means you have to have an internet connection. And it's called timeline because you can jump around by time because a lot of books don't have uh, sections, audiobooks, you know, and so it's, you can jump by minutes or hours, things like that. And it also always shows you the length of the book. So I guess that's enough information about how Libby works. Hoopla Digital is similar to Libby, but I'm not going to go into lots of details about it because they went and just changed the app. And so everything I knew about it kind of went away. It still is accessible, but the names of the tabs and stuff are different. So if I want to give you specifics about it, it will have to be another time, but it is an accessible app. And Hoopla not only has audiobooks, but it also is the one with the streaming video. So you're kind of on your own to explore that. The other thing about Libby uh, that I really like, but it can get kind of annoying, is any screen you're on, at the very top of it says, you are at, so it'll say, you are at the search screen, uh, you are at the shelf screen, you are at the library screen, um, you are at the settings screen. So you, you can hardly get lost. Uh, the big secret with Libby is just to read the screen. You don't know where you are at, then please read it and you will know. When you borrow books on your computer, they automatically show up in Libby. So if you like searching on your computer, but you like reading on your phone, that works great. And Libby also does notifications. So it will um, say, your book is about to expire, or your book has been returned. And that's the other thing is you, when you do audio or ebooks, you never have to return them. The app does it for you. So you can no overdue charges. Um, I heard that the guy who founded Netflix um, actually had borrowed all these videos from various video stores and he had to pay all, and, and books from libraries and he was stuck paying like hundreds of dollars of overdue fines and he didn't want his wife to find out. And so he was like in secret, like sneaking to these libraries to pay all these overdue fines. And uh, his wife did find out. I don't know if this is an urban legend, but this is a story I was told. And I do work in Silicon Valley, so urban legends are really all over here. But anyway, I guess he got caught. His wife found out that he uh, he spent all this money in overdue fines, and she said, you need to start a business where people won't have to have to pay overdue fines to borrow videos. And that's how he started Netflix. So anyway, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but it gave me time to look at my notes some more. 
Um, so um, I do want to say that a little more about doing searches because this applies to searching both on the web or searching through Libby. And there is a concept called the search filter. And so when you search, you're, you're, it asks you or lets you apply filters. And the filters that it has include something called always available, um, which means that the book um, doesn't ever have to be placed on hold. They, they've gotten an uh, unlimited license to it, so they can always offer it. Another search filter you'll find, and it's usually a checkbox, so you check it and then it, it, that filter has been applied, which means the search is only going to search for things that, um, that uh, correspond to that filter. Um, the other filter is um, books that can be borrowed now. I mean, nobody's placed them on hold. I mean, nobody's waiting for them. Um, and then other filters include um, language, like does it have strong language, or um, various subjects. So you can uh, go through checkboxes and pick subjects, like, like for diabetes. I wanted cookbooks. I didn't want health books. I didn't want books that yammered on about diabetes. I wanted books that had recipes. So I probably set a filter. Well, they didn't have enough of them, but if they had too many of them, I would have set a filter for uh, just cooking as the subject or diet and nutrition as just the subject. So search filters are really nice, and um, it takes it can take you a while to kind of scroll through all of them and figure out which ones you want to set. But once you get familiar with the list of filters, it really doesn't change. So after a while, you learn, oh, I've got to scroll down like three screens to get to the filter that I want to apply. So when you're doing a search, definitely take time and, and play around with those filters. So it's not 5.30 yet, but I actually pretty much have gone through my notes and talked about everything. I talk faster than I think I'm going to. <laughs> so I, you know, I my dinner showed up. So what I'm going to do is put myself on mute for a minute, drink some water, and take a slurp of my stew. And while I do that, um, get see what we have for questions, and I'll unmute and answer them. Thank okay. you. Yep. I believe it's Calandra. I came in on the last bit of it. And what I wanted to know is if you go through this uh, Libby filter search or whatever, what kind of books do you get to read? I mean, what are your favorites? What do I read? I have to tell you I don't like romances. Most women are really into romances. I'm not. So I like mystery. I like science fiction. I read a huge amount of nonfiction. I like um, I like history. Uh, I like um, books about nature. I like science a lot. I'm a geek. I was a software engineer for 30 years, so I also like um, books about computers and that sort of thing, technology. Um, yeah, and I guess I mean I read more textbooks than a lot of people because I work at a college, so. I guess that gives you an idea of my reading interest. Sorry, we probably didn't give you enough time. Sorry. <laughs> Thrillers, um, that kind of thing. But anyway, more questions? You really get a huge variety with these libraries. Uh, you typically uh, will get more bestsellers. Um, and um, you often get the same audiobooks that you find on Bard, but not always. 
And a lot of times the book that you've been reading a series and like books three and four, the series are missing on Bard and you'll find it in the library. David. I know we're talking about digital uh, materials and you've done a great job, by the way. Thank you. And uh, I haven't been on the LFPL website for quite a while, but uh, I know the research tools on there came in quite handy when I was in school. Uh, and I've used some of the other things to get materials. But my question is, um, it's about public libraries. Do they typically uh, have any uh, hard copy Braille uh, if you were to visit uh, the local library? I don't know about your state, but some states have sub-regional libraries. California has a couple. And sometimes they are located in public libraries. But um, the public library by itself isn't going to have any Braille. But if a sub-regional library at NLS is located there, it will have Braille. Okay. I'm just curious. Thank you. More questions. Um, Natalie? Yes. Uh, David, um, Louisville used yes. to have a sub-regional library with, with Braille many years ago, but that has since gone away and... Our Braille service comes out of where, Adams, Florida, maybe? I think, well, you request through Frankfurt, and then it's it's sent, I think, through the multi-state center. Oh, okay. I was just curious about that. So yeah. I have a tip about uh, Flipster, and hopefully by, I'll give people time to answer questions. And this also applies to the Michigan Quarterly Review. Now, I'll just give you a little bit of background on this. So, um, Flipster is a, a, serve, a magazine service. That's, it's a database, and it shows you full-text magazines. So, like, if I wanted to read the April Prevention, uh, that's not a good example because you can get it through Newsline, but... Uh, let's suppose you couldn't get it through Newsline because I'm trying to think of one right now that you can't get through Newsline. You can get through Flipster. So suppose I wanted to read the April Prevention. I could open it in Flipster. I could start the table of contents and I could literally read the whole magazine. I have to keep doing next, next, next to go to the next article, but I could read the whole magazine. But by default, and I, I told you LSPL doesn't have Flipster, but many libraries do, and I think they should because it's the accessible service. But anyway... That's your job to advocate for it. Um, anyway, the thing about uh, Flipster is that when you open the magazine, you see the table of contents, and the rest of it's an image. So you can't read it with JAWS. You can't read it with voiceover. And you're like, oh, yeah, great. I thought this was accessible. But there is a little button, and my sighted friends tell me it is a very little button, and it says text view. And if you click on that button, all of a sudden, you have a fully accessible view of the book. Oh, wow. I discovered this actually by accident because mm. I was um, looking at the Michigan Quarterly Review, which is a very literary uh, magazine. It's for poets and writers. And I was there because I wanted to enter one of their contests and I wanted to see what some of their uh, writing was like. And so I was looking through it, and again, all I was seeing was page images. And there was this little button that said text view, and I clicked on it, and all of a sudden, I could read the whole gosh darn magazine. And so I discovered that as I've been poking around just generally with magazines and such on the web, that you often have this. You have the full-color image, 
but there's a button that says text view, and you click it, and you have all the text. Now, sometimes it's OCR text, so it has errors, but many times it's full, complete, totally accurate text. And I'm sure they have it up there so sighted people can search and cut and paste, but really nice. Um, and so you should always, if you are looking at a database and you are seeing uh, just a table of contents and it says page 37 or something and you're like, page 37, but there's nothing here, always look for a button that says text here because Hush, I don't know why Siri thinks they're talking anymore. <laughs> Siri just, oh, I have a Siri story for you. But anyway, Siri's like really yucky. Anyway, so make sure you look for a button that says text view because I'm surprised at how many magazine databases have that button and it will suddenly make the experience very accessible. Okay, so I'll tell you my Siri story since we've got time. I was writing paratranslate and I said to Siri, um, call my husband. And Siri said, which husband? <laughs> uh, and the whole, the whole busload of paratransit passengers was cracking up. <laughs> That's funny. Debbie Desbridge. <laughs> Go ahead. If you find a book you want and you download it and you know, and you select whatever seven or 14 days or however you want it, then will it, unless you renew it, uh, Will it automatically just disappear? I mean, uh, or you won't have access to it anymore? How does that work? Um, yeah, it automatically disappears. It gets deleted from your phone. On your computer, if you use the program called Overdrive Media Console, <laughs> I can talk about that a little bit, but it's disappeared off the web. You can no longer download it. But if you happen to have had it on your computer, um, it will delete the book for you. But if you're very clever and you get in there before your time is up and you copy the book to another folder, uh, you will have it for life. Um, but I think that's the reason they decided to take Overdrive Media Console off of the Internet because too many people were doing that. All right. Um, Terry. Thank you. Um, I want to say that you're pretty phenomenal because most of the time when people describe apps, they don't give the link-by-link -link description and actually define what the language means. That's one of, whenever I use a new app in a new field, my worst difficulty is figuring out what the word means on a given button, and I have to spend a lot of time pressing buttons to find out and in, in, in sort of reverse figure it. And your presentation just gave this stuff. I felt like when you described a screen, I was looking at it, and I was able to take notes on your definitions, and I know that when I have these notes in front of me, I will not feel like I'm reading, trying to read um, Greek, which <laughs> I certainly don't read. So thank you for being so specific and taking the time to learn our um, LFPL website and what's available here. This is amazingly phenomenal. Well, I might have missed things, too, because I couldn't log in. 
Well, like I said, I really wanted to be a librarian when I was a kid, so now I get to kind of do it. A um, couple of things. Um, when I um, I, I always work, when I do these presentations, I always have notes, so that helps a lot. I don't have to do it from memory. I've noticed when a lot of blind people in community calls describe apps, they're just kind of wandering around with the app, and they, they haven't actually taken notes, and so I do try to work from notes. And the other thing that was really an eye-opener for me is I um, I got hired as a technical writer in the late 1980s at Stenograph Corporation, people that make those stenography machines. And so uh, I didn't have any formal training, so I downloaded a bunch of books from Recording for the Blind on being a technical writer because I wanted them to think I knew what I was doing. And one of the books <laughs> I read was called Reader-Centered Technical Writing. And it really changed my whole approach because it made me realize that everything I do has to be reader-centered. It's not about me. It's about the listener. Or about And so I always try to think what what does my reader want to know or what does my listener want to know? And that's really helped me. So I'm really grateful to the volunteer who recorded that book back in the 1980s because I think it made my manuals a lot better. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.